welcome to a big Beatles sort out bonus episode. As you'll know if you've been listening along, we're in the middle of our look at the movies. But alas, time has gotten the better of us this week. We haven't yet recorded the Magical Mystery Tour episode. But fear not, we don't want to leave you empty-headed, so we're going to have a little chat about another piece of Beatles TV history that Paul will explain to us after this Beatles day. Hello, Paul. Hello. That's We're into it really quick, aren't we, yeah. this time? bonus. This Snappy, is like high, high speed. Yeah, because we've, we've run out of time to do the big full episode this week, but let's we're going to do you something quick, so... Yeah, excuse our brevity people well, without anything. Yes, Paul, this Beatles Day, the 21st of March. Yes, I have chosen uh, the 21st of March, 1961. Okay. And I've chosen that because that's the Beatles' first evening appearance at the Cavern Club. Okay. And I think that's an interesting thing to contemplate, is that a lot of the Beatles' career in those early days is afternoon sessions oh yeah yeah lunch and lunch and afternoon lunchtime sessions because we think of pop music now as very much a nighttime industry an evening industry yeah you know apart from festivals which are just thought of as full day things Mm -hmm. but they still all have their big sort of headline events at night yeah but there was a time when these things happened at different times of the day you know and you'd play sort of matinee shows or you would go and play like a lunchtime show so the 21st of march 1961 is the first evening appearance at the cavern club so Mm. by this point they'd sort of played there i think only 11 times before so it's fairly early in their association with the place Mm. but they'd all been afternoon sessions Mm. and what happens is that the uh the owner of the cavern at the time says to the swinging blue jeans okay you can have a night you can put a night on i think it was a tuesday night or something like that and we'll have rock on, you know, on a Tuesday night as well. Yeah. Or, you know, not not rock necessarily. Mm. Um, whatever it was, you know, not not strict jazz night, basically. Okay. Um, this club has a no jeans policy and the swinging blue jeans have, have had the Beatles forced onto their bill. Right. With them. They didn't ask them, but, you know, the management's like, get the Beatles on there. Yeah, this club's got this no jeans policy. And, of course, the Beatles rock up in jeans and boots and... Right leather jackets and the doorman's like what they're like we're the band it's like i better go and check (laughs) ironically the swinging blue jeans night you couldn't come in in jeans (laughs) isn't that isn't that silly silly. but yeah they were really annoyed that the beatles had been booked because they were comparatively scruffy and unprofessional and all that stuff right but they were also massively popular already by that point okay Uh, so the place was full because of the beatles Uh. And yeah, so that was their first evening appearance at the at the cavern wow. on that day. So were, and, they, were uh, they the supporting act? I could take it then they were they were. Well, I don't know how many bands would have been on and how okay. how long it would have lasted and stuff like that. I'm sure that, that information must be out there somewhere. Yeah, and I don't think it was ever as clear and clear cut as support and headliner, but yeah. presumably the blue jeans had the prime spot. Mm. But uh, yeah, there you go. Twenty first of March, nineteen sixty one. I wonder if there was more dinner time slash afternoon gigs because there was more of a culture of um, long lunch breaks. I don't even think it was long lunch breaks, but I think it was just you had a a huge amount of people in the city working. Yeah. In all sorts of places, warehouse a lot more around that area than you do have now. Yeah. Certainly, lots of warehouses, offices, things like that in the city centre. So there was a lot more people around. Lots more places could make money by saying, come down for a, a glass of Coke and watch some music. Yeah, I like the idea. I wish we had that culture still. I think I'd have yes. more chance of going out to a kind of a, 
a five o'clock gig. <laughs> you know. But if you work in, uh, you know, some mad office in some, uh, you know, technology park or something like that, yeah. where there's nothing around you like so many people do. Yeah. These days, and, uh, you know, things are remote from these city centre mm. places, aren't they? So, yeah, very different. Good stuff. Good O. So, Paul, what are we going to look at to satisfy our thirst for Beatles-based televisual experiences whilst awaiting our full Magical Mystery Tour episode? Well, I thought, seeing as we've done a film from 1964, mm. we've done a film from 1965, and we're going on to a film from 1967, Yeah, we might as well plug the gap with something from 1966. Makes sense. Thank you. And uh, I thought, well... What's from 1966 that's there that's sort of not just scrappy newsreel or anything like that? Mm. It's it's sort of official, you know, in air quotes type thing. Yeah. And I had a check. And, of course, the one that stands out most to me is the footage or the, the couple of bits of footage from the gigs in Japan. Right. Which is part of their 1966 tour. So they're on the way towards the end of their touring days here at this point. Mm-hmm. And... I've always been fascinated with this footage ever since I saw some of it in the Complete Beatles documentary, which we used to have on VHS. Yeah. Because it's early Beatles, but it's in colour. Yes. And it's really colour. You know, they're wearing really interesting clothes. Mm. The set's quite different to a lot of the footage you see of them. It's clearly a different sort of show. And they're playing things that you don't hear in other circumstances, a couple of songs that you would hear in... It's early Beatles, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It is, or early mid-Beatles, really. So it's an odd time because they've recorded um, Revolver at this point, but they're going out and essentially still doing the same show they've been doing for two or three years. You know, a half-hour slot as part of a package of bands. You'd have three or four bands on before them. They'd come out do a half an hour. They might do a matinee in the afternoon and and one in the evening. And, yeah, so I thought, do you know what? It's time to have a look at one of those two concerts that were filmed in Japan. We have a look, and the one I recommended to you is we'll watch the very first one. Yeah. The first one of the two. So, background to this is, they get it gets announced that they're going to be playing in Japan as part of their 1966 tour. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the block of the tour that takes in, ultimately, Germany, Japan, and the Philippines. Okay. So they do six shows in Germany. They were It's supposed to be doing three shows in Japan, but demand was so great that they made it up to five shows. So they do one show on the first day and then two shows for the following two days mm-hmm. as well. And it was promoted by a guy called Tatsuji Nagashima, known as Tats Nagashima, mm. who apparently was going backwards and forwards to London to sort this out. So, you know, you had to do that in those days. You right. had to, if you wanted to organise it, you couldn't necessarily just make international phone calls from Japan to London okay. to get it organised. He, he came over as a businessman to speak to Brian Epstein a couple of times. So mm. it's a big job yeah and he sort of comes back from his second trip having arranged this stuff to like half a million people saying can we have tickets right you know via the various channels and of course there's nowhere can do that no Uh, so he books the the budokan hall okay which seats ten thousand people yeah so five shows of ten thousand people and they're so they do the tickets via a lottery system right because how else would you do it, really? Um, is the Budokan Hall the one where there was some dispute over it being used for non-traditional purposes? Or was that somewhere yes. else? Yeah. No, that's that's exactly it. So it was built to. Uh, it was only built in 1964. 
Right. So I always got the impression, out until I'd looked into it, of course, because I knew a little bit about this, is because it was used as a place where sumo wrestling happens, Yeah. which is a, a very old, you know, and very... I can't think of the word really, you know, a very important cultural aspect of, yeah. of Japanese sporting life. Mm. Um, it's sort of sacred ground, essentially. Right. Um, but the, yeah, the Budokan was built built to host that in 1964. Mm. It's not some great ancient monument no, no, yes. or anything like that, you know. But because of the, that nature of it, there were like, there was protests. Right. You know, there was people protesting that they were defiling this this important space. Okay. And yeah, and everyone knows generally the story, probably if you've watched Anthology, about how sort of strict the arrangements were for the Beatles once they got into Japan, how they were shifted to their hotel and basically put into lockdown in their hotel. Yeah. And so people had to come to them to sell them stuff. They, a couple of them tried to sneak out and yeah. everything was like done with military precision down to the second. Yeah. Which, of course, the Beatles, being the Beatles, were like, oh, I'll just wait a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Just to throw everything into disarray. But yeah, they arranged with um, Nippon TV, the Japanese television company, to record the first two concerts, and they were both broadcast in one show on television the the second day, even the same day that they filmed the second one. It's it's insane. But the concert we're going to talk about is the 30th of June, the very first one, Mm -hmm. which I think is just very interesting, very colourful. Yeah. Yeah, the Beatles come on stage after there's been one, two, three, four, five, six Japanese groups have been on there. I was going to say, so, yeah, because it makes, you you just see it completely out of the context of the wider thing, because I was thinking, oh, such a long, I mean, I, I guess this is the same for all of their big gigs around the world, is you, yeah, don't, you yeah. think, you know, they've, they've got this place, it's packed to the rafters, everyone's got to get in there, they see 20 minutes or so, and then they're out again, but actually they've been there enjoying other acts. Yeah, but, so there's a Japanese bands with names like the Drifters and the Blue Jeans. Oh, okay. Which are great names, you know, for Japanese bands taking influence from America. Yeah. Things like that. Uh, so, yeah, if each of them did like 15, 20 minutes each, mm. it becomes a yeah. show, doesn't it? Just just <laughs> on, on, on a side shoot from that, would that have Go been on. the same in like America with the great big kind of a yep. stadium Yeah, gigs? all of them. They always had other yeah. acts first as well. Yeah, like I, mean, I think they were like, you know, Sounds Incorporated would come with them. And so there'd be, some of them would be on the tour with them, like the package yeah. would be the Beatles and it would be also, you know, Sounds Incorporated and so and so. And then they'd have often have more, uh, you know, local ones on on the show with them as well. Okay. I just never thought about it before because you just... I know, because you do, because the way it's... It's always just presented as the Beatles, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't go, oh, well, after Sounds Incorporated packed away their saxophones, the Beatles took to the stage, but we're going to watch them first on this documentary. Yeah. You never see that. You never see all those bands struggling through people's disappointment that it's not still the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it'd be rubbish coming after them. That yeah, in fact, I was looking at the footage of um, one of the shows in Germany was filmed as well, and so there's not, uh, you can't get the complete footage of that anymore. No. But they filmed quite a lot of the support acts for that, which included people like Peter and Gordon. Okay. You know, so Peter and Gordon were on that show, or those shows in Germany, hmm. with like a backing band slash orchestra. Cool. And things like that. And then there'd be like a German band on too. So. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah. But anyway, just to just to say, this is kind of an official Beatles film. Right. Because... 
in Japan in 1993. Okay. After years of like bootlegs of this knocking about, mm. someone went to put it out and got Apple Records permission. Right. So there was a laser disc edition of this. Wow. Released with the Apple Records logo on it in Japan in 1993, called the the Beatles concert at Budokan 1966. Right. So we could count it as an official it's an official thing. release. Yeah. Yeah, in a very specific you know market. Did it ever get out onto a format that didn't die? No. No. And it still hasn't. Oh. But you know, there may be reasons for that. Maybe we could speculate a little bit on why the. It's kept under the radar. Because I've always loved this bit of footage because you don't really get colour footage of the Beatles before 67. No. And in fact, even the rest of their career is partly spent in black and white because that's what TV was, essentially. So this is a real treat to see them in... in, Yeah, yeah, they're wearing... Technicolour, as it were. They're wearing... um, You always just... Because, you know, obviously the, the, the Beatles suits is what people think of. But here they're wearing red silk shirts under yeah, double... green suits. Green, what's, what, sorry? Green, green, suits green suits with red shirts. And they're double lapeled, aren't they? So they're like dinner jacket looking jackets. They're not, they're not colourless. I mean, they, they look good. Yeah, they look great. You know, but they come out, for, you know, underneath a big sort of spangled, their name in lights type thing yeah. and their hair looks amazing Ringo's hair in this it's just it's got this weird sort of flicky bits to his hair at the back mm. you know his hair is a thing to behold in 65, 66 mm. and then you've you know they're using John and George who are playing their Epiphone Casino guitars mm. so they look sort of like mirrors of each other a little bit and and what's interesting I did see a photograph of like their guitars that they had with them on that tour mm. you know so if something had gone wrong with any of those instruments, you could have ended up seeing that, you know, Paul playing his Rickenbacker. Wow. Or George on an SG. Yeah. Or something like that, which would have been amazing to see. They were really, obviously you don't, Yeah. Because obviously they took some with them. Yeah. But, yeah. But, we, yeah, we just, we've not seen, I guess the only footage of them playing them is, is, is studio or, or, or kind of videos, like in Hello yeah. Goodbye and things, and then in, um, in Mystery Tour, funnily enough. Yeah, and like the uh, sort of um, Hey Jude Revolution things and stuff like that. Yeah, they look great. They look great. Um, Yeah, they do. But and and that colour aspect makes a big difference. Um, That's why I think this is one you want to put into Peter Jackson's hands and say, let's just get this properly cleaned up. Yeah, I mean, for the sake of people listening, I mean, we've you've got you've sent me a link to it, which we'll put into the um, episode description. Um, yeah. But you know, it's it's as reliable as the fact that it's, you know, it's, it, it that link could go, couldn't it? It could be. There's not an official place to go and get it from. No, but I mean, I'm not saying people should like download download bootlegs of things, but I mean, archive.org's a very interesting website. Ah, yes. And if there's no official way to get things, you kind of think it's fair game, don't you? But yeah, not, you do. No one's saying to do that. Um, no. But yeah, it, I will give I will give Apple money if they give you the product you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's nice to have them. Um, yeah. Well, go on, Paul. Tell me a bit more about it. Let's let's. Uh... Well, what I, I basically I, I wanted to sort of speak to you. Have it now. You've watched it yeah. all through. Yeah. And basically, just get your first of all, like your overall impressions of the of the whole set of performances. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested. Okay. 
thought it was all yeah it's good like <laughs> okay, no, no yeah no it's it, it's it's very good i mean they they, they are I, the, the first thing that came to mind watching it was that having recently rewatched all the anthology stuff was i think there's a bit of a clip of it in there there is yeah and they're talking about it and george talks about how they would they were it was getting harder to play by then because of the the complexity of the stuff they were writing yes and now they'd sometimes do a little wave or a little dance to get the crowd to cheer to cover up their the the, the trickier bits. Oh yes, that definitely happens. And it does happen a couple of times, but you think they they're such sticklers for their own quality, aren't they? They're they're it, it, you listen to it, and you think, of course it's hard to play. It's nowhere, man. You've you've got like three part harmony and yeah, almost all the way through it. And it's a strange kind of. Um, it's a different kind of rhythm. It's not strict rock and roll. It's going to be more precise. But they, you pull it. You're pulling it off. You can't hear yourselves. It's probably you know. <laughs> well, I think it's a, it's the big problem with this set of performances, mm. and presumably the whole tour and and how things played out in other places as well. Yeah. Is yeah in most in most setups they couldn't hear themselves still. Yeah. You know they had they stood a bit more chance in Japan because people were. Not not as reserved as some people say. No, it's still very screamy. But, still yeah, like... but people were generally listening, and I think the technology was a bit better and in their favour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so generally speaking, they couldn't hear, and they didn't really rehearse. Right. You know, there's a bit in where they try to start um, I'm Down in the German show, Yeah. where Paul looks over at John, and John's singing him the first line of the song to remind him. It's like, you're on t- How are you... Yeah. How how do you not know this? And obviously now you've got you'd have the words coming up on the yeah yeah special monitor that McCartney has in front of him and stuff like that. Mm. And he sort of opens with the wrong line of the song, and you know there's loads of like fluffs between the, yeah. the lyrics in these things. It's very live in the sense that it's, <laughs> yeah. But I still think, considering the I mean, when would they rehearse? When would they rehearse? They're just getting well, it didn't uh, heard it from rehearse. from rehearsal room to plane to bus to you know. The the, the, yeah. the the little time they got, so I mean the the fact that they're not really rehearsed, that they are being screamed at, and they're using technology where you know they'd be lucky to get any kind of fold back to hear what they're doing anyway, yeah. And no prompts, teleprompts, or anything like that. I still think they do all right, really. I think it's yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some obvious things that come across much worse watching it as a d- detached listener, mm. watching it now on a screen hearing it yeah, as opposed to as it would have been in the room at the time when it sort of wouldn't have mattered that they struggle a bit on some of the harmonies. Yeah. Or even if you're watching it on TV in Japan in, in 1966, because TVs weren't mm. these big, accurate reproduction devices. They yeah. had crappy little speakers in them. Exactly. Yeah, that's so the you, thing that always makes me think, you know, not you, you watch it now with the benefit of things being cleaned up, maybe, but even so with much better quality screens yeah, much, and speakers yeah. yeah yeah totally but i've got a list of uh sh- should we just go through it song by song yeah i'm gonna say what remind me of the songs and it will it will rekindle so memories of things. they only do one cover version yes which is and they open and it's the opening one rock and roll music rock and roll music yes so they come out so there's announcer comes on introduces them in in japanese and says ladies and gentlemen the beatles <laughs> Beatles. 
どうぞ皆様の盛大な拍手を持って迎えたいと思います Ladies and gentlemen welcome the Beatles!They come up from behind the stage under this big backdrop.、Mm. They have to do all the plugging in and switching on. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> which still strikes me as, loop, as absolutely loopy that it just didn't happen. Just not roadies. Just the, 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 the kind of mechanics of that stuff. I mean, were other bands getting roadies to set them up by this point? Or were they. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I doubt it, but I just. It just occurs to me that it never occurred. It occurs to me that it never occurred to, to them, them to、yeah. think, to say, do you know what? Just make sure everything's right for us, guys. If something goes wrong and bits go wrong in this. We're the bloody can Beatles. You, you know, just come on stage and sort it while we're doing it. So we, you know. Yeah.、Uh, and. Or we'll ask you to be between songs or whatever. It just reminds me of me in a band. You know, I would get in, pick up my guitar, loop my chord round, switch everything on, turn it up a little bit. It doesn't make me、yeah. feel. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like、okay? playing in the, Play the, first song. the corner of a pub, isn't it? Rather than in front of how many ever thousand people. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they go straight into rock and roll music,、yeah. and John, as usual, mixes up the words in it. Yeah, yeah, he does. I've got no kick against Mark. Well, it's, it's, it's not bad. And then there's no introduction. They're straight into She's a Woman as yeah, the second song. That's great. I love hearing、yeah. that live. That, that, that song's growing on me every time I hear it.、Um, Uh, it seems to be because it came up in Help and I've heard it on this. It's just how Paul sings it. It just,、yeah. just gets his big boy voice out. He does, yeah. So they go straight into that, and、um, that's the first occasion where George is waving to the crowd. Yeah. You know, so George is doing a lot of waving to the crowd in this, and I think sometimes it's like you say, to cover up well, it's, 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 tricky bits. It's him who said that. He said, I'd do a little wave,、yeah. and they'd scream, and then it was like, great. <laughs> But in this, it's, it's just, he seems to just wave to people all the time.、Yeah. It's, it's like he's actually having a good time. He's enjoying himself. In these shows、yeah. where he sometimes just doesn't look like he's bothered. Yeah. You know, he's,、um, and like in the end of this, he's like adding some extra guitar licks towards the end of the song. Yeah. Which is quite nice. He's doing some great guitar in it as well. That's what I mean. If he was covering up, the, I mean, there's, I think there's one, I can't remember which one it is, but you'll probably tell me when we get to it. There's one solo he completely messes up. It just, I, I think it might be on、um, Ringo's song. But,、um, uh, but he's playing some of the solos. Yeah, absolutely he's, he's, he's doing some nice little bits of guitar.、Yeah. But I'll tell you what's interesting about this and why this is worth you know, watching anyway is because of the sort of selection of songs that are coming up、yeah. in this. Because after they've done She's a Woman, right, you know, we get the first announcement of the evening, which is Paul doing his announcement. Yeah. Maybe you know, he says,、uh, Domo. Yeah.、Um, and it's like, I've, I've learned one Japanese word. Yeah. But George is changing to his 12 string. Yes. And they do If I Needed Someone. Yeah. Some more time to spend, then I guess I'd be with you, my friend. If I needed some. 
which is another song with big three-part block harmonies in it and and stuff. So and it sounds great. And they do a good job. It does. I mean, George's voice is a little bit flat on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting, and and this is where you start to notice how loose the microphones are <laughs> yeah. on the top of those stands. The fifth started... beetle being, and the sixth beetle being, all of the moving microphones. Oh, this it started to stress me out so much for the sake of literally stopping for a couple of seconds to presumably just rotate the stand to tighten yeah. it. Um, no one comes out to do it. No. They can't. They don't do it. Oh. It's it started to really wind me up. Yeah, for the but, sake of if you yeah if you haven't watched it, basically the microphones are on. Um, they're just on fixed stands. They're not on boom arm stands, and they're just constantly like floating off the kind of the 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 the, yeah. the neck connection where the microphone goes into the stand is just kind of if as they're singing it it's just drifting off to the side and they have to keep on reaching up quickly from the guitar and pulling it back to the mouth and it happens over and over and over again and it, does. it kind of makes you just like it becomes microphone watch doesn't it like it's going again it does it's going it, again yeah. is he going to move it he's not going to even going to move it this time he's given up Oh, he's moved yeah. it. And because, of course, they only ever have two mics at the front because yeah. when they do harmonies, they gather around a mic together. Yeah. Because they don't have fold-back speakers, they need to hear each other sing. Yeah. So that's, that's that's it. But they do if I needed someone, which I think is very interesting to have the 12-string out on stage and them to be doing that. Yeah. You know, George with his capo and his chimey bits on it. Then John does another announcement, trying to sort his microphone out. Um Starts yeah. talking about if the next song was a single, but it probably in Japan and he can't remember. Then he so he just does some of his nonsense shouting stuff. Yeah, he almost does a little bit of pseudo. Yeah, it's it it a, a bit, bit like awkward. he's doing he, a voice. Yeah, he kind of does like pretending to be Japanese by making sound strange sounds. Yeah, it's a bit odd, but you know, he just has to make big gestures to get any sort of yeah reaction. It doesn't matter whether yeah, it, I don't think yeah. anyone minds. But then they do it. They do Day Tripper. Uh, we'd like to sing uh, another song. I think this song was a, was it a single? Yeah, uh, this song was a single over here. Maybe. And the song's called Day Tripper. Which is a good guitar song, obviously. Yeah. Um, There's a great bit where George has sort of wandered off and he has to run back to the microphone yeah. to do his harmonies. And then he's, you know, at the end of the end of that solo bit in the middle of Day Tripper, yeah. George is having to sing his, his part of the big high block harmonies and do a lead guitar part at the same time. Yeah. You know, and Paul's really got to hit those high notes and you can see him aiming for them and struggling to get them mm. and stuff. And I like that Ringo does something different on it as well on the hi-hats in this. Oh. Adds a lot of energy because yeah. there's no tambourine, obviously. Right. So he's doing a on the hi-hats. Yeah. It's good. So there you go. It's good. And that's another one where I think, I think you appreciate George's, like how much he had to do when you watch, sit and watch the live gig, you know, like this. Yeah. He did have, because, you know, John's rhythm guitar, you know, he's obviously the singing and stuff. Paul's bass, but George George is doing a lot of the backup singing and and singing himself as well, and so much of the twiddly lead bits that are like they're not easy. yeah, 
And he doesn't get any respite because immediately they finish Day Tripper, they go into Babies in Black, which is all yeah. like twangy country lead parts. Yeah. Um, and they have uh, I like there's a, a John and Paul moment where they get the she yeah. slash I words mixed up yeah you know Typical. and they do Paul does a nice little waltz during the solo yeah um, where are we at now uh, yeah so babies in, then we have I feel fine coming up next yeah which George announces yes he's had a turn he has um, his turn doesn't he he does two he announces two songs in a row thank you the next song Next song we like to do is called I Feel Fine. So he announces that, yeah, and then he does another little wave after the solo. Mm. Of, yeah. So he, yeah, he keeps he keeps whipping the crowd up. I don't know why he'd do a wave there to cover up the end of the solo, unless he was thinking that John was going to knacker up the, uh, the the linking section. <laughs> but I think what's most important in this bit here is that uh, I think this is the really interesting point in the set is that so George thanks the crowd as you say he does two two introductions in a row, and he announces yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's the electric version of yesterday, electric, which yes. I think is really interesting. Suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh, yesterday. Suddenly, why she. Yeah, and they seem so. So you say like they haven't really practiced, but they obviously have worked that out. Well, they must they? have worked this out because it's they, they're trying to mimic some of the string parts and things, yeah. aren't they? Um, it's interesting because obviously we've seen Paul do it on acoustic guitar mm. as part of the Beatles show in some of those special yeah. live things they've done. But for them to actually take this out, because it was such a huge hit and such an important mm. song so quickly, you know, people so well thought of so quickly, they couldn't really not do it. Mm. So it's interesting. I think this is one of the ones that was on the complete Beatles was this uh, electric version of yesterday. So it's always fascinated me. Yeah. And it's it's debatable about whether they should have just kept him on a on an acoustic and doing it that way, but at least it doesn't break up if they're not wanting that break up of the um energy of the set with and three of them just standing there and there's not that kind of setup. They must have yeah. been felt like well we've got to do something. We can't just stand around like spare parts here. And it's not. Whereas the end nowadays, of the it wouldn't. It wouldn't. No one would blink an eye if you. If you. When some people went off stage, and someone did a solo bit. Yeah, but you know, there's so much of this is just like. I'm sure that's exactly what it is, was, Gary. But I wonder, when, when they're thinking, we're giving them twenty, twenty-five minutes of uh, the four of us. Yeah. Let's give them the four of us all the way through. It's. It's. Um, the, unlike the variety performance where it, they went off to Porker do his bit and. It was important. I don't know. I th- no, it's, I think it's yeah. It's the Blackpool show. I think where it's you get him doing. How oh, was it? Yeah, solo yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, I, I think that now they've just thought. Well, yeah, let's we're here now. Let's just all stay where. We're. But it's it and it. It's quite nice. It's nice 
version, you know, but it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. But to pick up the energy after that, Paul introduces the next song. I like his introduction to this next one. He just goes, a song which is entitled simply Ringo. Yeah. Wanna be a man. Wanna be a man. Wanna be a man. Wanna be a And I don't know whether he's genuinely just not said the name of the song or he's just mixed up what he was going to say or he's right. just being silly. He's being silly, yeah. Yeah. I think he's being and silly. I think he's being silly. So silly they pun. do, uh, uh, I want to be a man. Yes. And the stupid thing there is Ringo's mic is down on a stick between yeah. his legs. He's having to sing. So he's like looking down, trying to sing into this thing while staring into the face of his snare drum. Yeah. He's singing with his head down, which is not, yeah. you know, he makes your throat close up, close up like that, yeah. you know. But I noticed earlier on in the in the gig, uh, to add to the microphone, where was his kind of boom arm microphone, which is on a boom arm, was spinning around kind of a bit yeah. wildly earlier on, like something. I, th- I didn't know if it was a mic that was meant to point at his toms that had span off, because I noticed it spinning away halfway through a song. And they obviously yeah. fixed, put it in place, but he didn't. He just went, he launched straight into it like he didn't give himself any time. He kind of pulled it towards him. It was pointing down. He could have probably adjusted it, but he just went, launched straight into it. Yeah. But all the way through that song and the rest of the the gig, Ringo's just solid all the way through, isn't he? Oh, he is. Yeah, he's great. He's absolutely great. Um, and it's not a bad musical performance of I Want to Be Your Man. I mean, no? it's hard to hear George's solo in it. No, I wonder if he, I think he messed it up a bit though. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but John and Paul seem to be having a lot of fun playing it and doing the yeah. backing vocals. And then John has to do an announcement, which he of course cocks up again, and does his oh I never know these things you know yeah voice um, or something like that. And but that's when they launch into Nowhere Man, which yeah. I think is quite a brave thing to do, given as we've described the technical circumstances. Yeah. And it, it is brave, and I think, I think, I mean, I think anyone would struggle to really nail something that as as close as that. And it's also a strange one to do in a live set because it's a different kind of energy. It, I've always yeah. thought it's it, it, it's a studio song, and I can understand it a bit more when they stopped playing live. When it's like, well, the song itself is more something to experience on the headphones. and Yeah. Although what I find baffling here, and again, this will have been just been for the sake of time. So I know that Nowhere Man was recorded with John and George essentially playing dual electric lead on Fender Stratocasters. Yeah. With the sort of, you know, acoustic-y backing. Hmm. Well, he had his 12-string. Why didn't George get his 12-string out and make it all chimey? Make it a bit more chingy. You know, it wouldn't have sounded like the record necessarily, but it probably would have fleshed the sound out a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. But this is one of the songs where Paul and George are on one mic and the mic's like, I'm not looking at you. No. I'm going over there now. The most annoying thing is, though, is even as the microphone's like, I'm off, it doesn't, it's obviously loud enough that it's not making a difference. They can kind of carry on singing. Yeah. And it's not actually, they're not getting Compared to some shows where you've, some shows where you watch a wandering mic and it suddenly cuts one of them out completely. Yeah. I think this one's not too bad, actually. Yeah, but um, they still do, I think Nowhere Man, 
it's fascinating to see them try it and almost manage it. You know, it's obviously it's it's sketchy because though the other a lot of the other songs are energy driven and this is suddenly precision. It's about yes, precision and yes. it's, a, it's a very and the conditions are not conducive for precision, I think, where they're, they're at. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting and an insight into where they, they they must have been coming away from those gigs. It's hard to do things like that, you know. And as yeah. they've just finished recording, um, what, they just finished recording? Re- Revolver. Revolver. They must be thinking, well, we can't even do some of these ones at all, can we? Yeah, I mean, these ones, you know, these a handful of things off Rubber Soul. I mean, the nearest thing they get to doing something off Revolver is the next song, which is the what that Paul says is the new record in Japan, which is Paperback Writer. Yes. Which is obviously a single recorded during the Revolver sessions. Mm. Uh, and that's the one where George waves during the harmonies right. to cover up. Is it? Yeah. Paperback Yeah, and I notice in the second show that they film, what he's done is he's worked out the chords on his guitar to play alongside them doing the harmonies. Right. So he's not so worried about covering them up, but you see him look at John like, yeah, this will help. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he definitely waves during the uh, thing, and it and it works because yeah. they all go, yeah! Screaming, yeah. Because there's, yeah. But then there's a lot of energy in Paperback Writer, so it, 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 you know, yes, you have those stops and those big layers of harmonies. But then you get into your big rocky riffs, don't you? And yeah, another g- good guitar song. Like you know, you, you can be forgiven. Unlike Nowhere Man, which is at the same kind of level most of the way throughout. That is like okay, the, the harmony's a bit. Oh, it's okay. We're into big rock riff. Nice. Everything's fine. The energy picks it up. Um, it's cool to hear it and see. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. At the very least, it's interesting. Mm. Yeah. But that takes us to the last song, the 11th of the set. Um, and Paul sort of goes, well, if this microphone would stay still. Yeah. Uh, and they launch into I'm Down. Which I notice, you know, in the Shea Stadium version, John plays the organ, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But in this one, he's just on, and I think all these shows, he's just on guitar, even though there's an organ on stage next to him. Yeah. And um, so they just rock out to end it with their own, you know, rock and roll standard they've more or less invented than the, that song. Yeah. And that's it. And, you know, they George is waving all the way as he's leaving the stage. He's, he's a very wavy man in this. Yeah, yeah. He's a proper wavy Davy. And... Um, <laughs> The announcer just comes out and says, you know, sayonara, and everyone goes home. And that's the end, right? You, you are now permitted to leave. He doesn't Essentially, say that, yeah. Probably something like that. Yeah, and it's all, that's it, done. And you think, wow. <laughs> it must yeah. be a strange experience to to have been at a Beatles, not to be at a one, but to have to have been at one, and it just be, right, now that, that happened, and now, now, it's, now it's done. And we just, now leave in an orderly fashion. We just leave now and that can go back to our normal yeah. lives. I mean, it's a funny one because the, the just the energy of the, it being the Beatles and the songs that they're performing 
you know, carry it so far beyond how good it necessarily is as a type yeah. of group. And not just that, but that because they are, they think they could, they could blag their way through so much stuff because they've just logged so many flying hours together, you know, as far as playing. But yeah. like you say, they're just the setup at the time of the, what, the equipment and everything. It's just, you wonder what it must have sounded like in the hall and how much their PAs would have been throwing it out and what, what it must have sounded. If the audience heard anything other than screaming, well, yeah, you never really. You always hear about the Beatles' perspective. We couldn't hear ourselves. Could they hear anything? Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's it's you know, there's testimony obviously from people who've been to these shows mm. about the different things, but the circumstances were different in every space they went into. I think probably the the Budokan stuff was probably the, one of the best yeah. for all, for everyone concerned. Mm. But still, you know, it's so amateurish, like you say. Mm. It's like people turning up you know carrying their amp yeah. to a pub gig yeah it's not far off that compared to what it becomes in probably less than 10 years from this Certainly. time you know yeah. um yeah so it's interesting and like i say there's another film performance you can get the footage of where they're wearing the striped gray suits with the red shirts right and what i did notice on that one is they've taped the microphone tops to the top of the stands right so the, yeah. you can watch that without getting this, your heart rate going up at every time that mic starts. I could imagine the conversation after the gig was probably a lot like, what was going on with their microphones? Yeah. Also, Ringo has a boom mic on that second gig. Right. So he's not singing into his chest. Cool. Is it and be- Paul... Do- Go on, sorry. So I was, yeah, and Paul signs off that show by saying, so as they say in Runcorn, sayonara. <laughs> Which is a good Northwest joke there. I don't know. So why you, I picked on Runcorn, other than it's quite easy to pick on Runcorn. So you picked the first one of the two to talk about. Yeah. So I'm seeing the second one through. Um, what well, is the second one? The same, all the same song. Exactly, exactly the same set list, same order of announcements. Okay. You know, you know, there's not much to change other than they're not stressing so much about the uh, microphones. So maybe go flying find the second the pl- one and watch that. <laughs> well, you can. You can get that on archive.org as well. Yeah. And. Um, but I don't know, it's doesn't I think I can't tell which one's better. I think the second one's slightly better musically, hmm. but they make different errors. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. so you know. Cool. It's six of one, really. But it like I say, the point is it's a fascinating bit of uh, you know, officially sanctioned film yeah. of the Beatles live in colour towards the end of their touring days. Yeah. And that's what makes it such a an interesting Artifact. piece. Yes, yes, very good. And good to have drawn uh, attention to it. And I hope, and I think, yeah, of course, like they recorded Revolver, so they do Paperback Writer, but the album's not out yet, so they don't do anything off the album. Mm. And I, I don't know what looking down Revolver they could have done, even if they if they had been determined to. Yeah, I think the problem is the ones that are really guitar-y on Revolver are probably too technical for them to do live. You know, they're not going to do Taxman, no, because that would be George having to learn Paul's solos and stuff. Yeah, whilst singing. I'm sure they would do that as well. They wouldn't put Paul onto a guitar. No. You know, they're not going to do Eleanor Rigby. They're not going to do I'm Only Sleeping. No. They're not going to do Love You Too. No. I mean, here, there and everywhere would be lovely, but they're not going to do that. They're not going to, sit. They're not going to do Yellow Submarine. No, it's just... I just, mean, she said... She, yeah, she said... Got, she said, she said, is a good guitar song, but it's not something you'd put no. in that sort of set. It's just... Uh, it, what else? Yeah, they could have done these things, but they would have had to have innovated, wouldn't they? They would have had yeah. to have gone, right... 
let's bring the studio on stage. But they didn't. They went, oh, there's no possible way in the world that anyone can ever do things on the stage. <laughs> They're different. So yeah. they just didn't do that it That song requires a piano, but we, we can't have anyone else on stage. Work? I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... So, yeah, like the other ones, A Good Day Sunshine, you know, they could have worked up a nice arrangement of that, but they would in their heads they would be like, well, the main instrument in that's a piano, yeah. so we're not going to do that. Um, and your bird can sing guitar song much too technical for them to mm. take out on tour for no one dr robert they could have done that but they wouldn't have done that yeah <laughs> i want to tell you too weird got to get you into my life they wouldn't have done it without the horns no, exactly and they couldn't possibly get a horn section could they no, but then, not especially on the on the tours where they toured with sounds incorporated the brass section yeah. that they use on some recordings um and then they're not, yeah. And now tomorrow never knows. Yeah. But yeah, cool. God, if only they had found some ways, it would have been fascinating, wouldn't it? To see them try to yeah. do something with them. But um, but uh, hey, I kind of understand them, and uh, I understand that mate, they were maybe five to ten years ahead of themselves, weren't they? And you know, if they'd still been together in the mid seventies towards the eighties, they would have been, and and they could have revisited songs and done backing tracks and brought on more performers and yeah just done all sorts of stuff but but hey you know but that wouldn't be the Beatles no it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't you know, have been part that of we know it would be a very different uh, yeah. different thing and their legacy would be totally different absolutely okay I assume I don't know I'm not magic hey so yeah thanks for that Paul I think we've co- okay, covered no. that quite nicely haven't we yes there we are nice little 1966 thing to bridge the gap I give it 10 out of 10 for concerts in Japan <laughs> good it, making it number one of the what, single song single chart for that yes, sub chart there we go that's the rating bit of yeah. it that's the sorting out it's sorted um, and next week respect due we will be back um, barring incident with um, Magical Mystery Tour so mm-hmm. you know we, we are well on the way to getting that prepared for you so join us next week for a Magical Mystery Tour but for now Goodbye. Sayonara.